Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. We are uh, presented by Sheena Boychuk Real Estate and also CDN in Calgary. Uh, we have our co-host with us to this evening. We got Mark Strickland. Stricky, how's it going? Good, Josh. How you doing? Thanks for having me back. No, no worries. No worries. Bob talked you up so good that we had to bring you back. And uh, Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> And, uh, There's no better plug than a plug from Bob Stoffer. Exactly. Oh, well, I know one thing. A lot of people have called me a plug over the years, so that might make <laughs> sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it wasn't because of your offense either. <laughs> no, I could score a little. Yeah. yeah. I do. You look right like on. Tom Cruise back in the day, but uh, we have yeah. the uh, Oilers <laughs> color commentator, <laughs> and uh, he is the uh, color analyst on the regional coverage and the host of uh, Oilers Now from 5 to 7 on 630 Ched on 630 Chad. So we have uh, Bob Stoffer. Stoff, how's it going? Good. What's going on, Josh? Uh, you know, pretty good, I have to say. You know what? It was nice to uh, catch up with Tyler Toffoli after the game this afternoon. So uh, I was there with Ilya and uh, his mom, Laura. So we... Uh, so yeah. what did he say? Uh, he, he, uh, oh, we lost Strickland. So I don't know what happened there. Maybe his internet cut, though. But we'll keep going. But uh, yeah, no, he uh, he had a good, some good thoughts on it. He just he felt that uh, maybe if it was a little bit of a later game, they would have had their legs. He said they felt yeah. tired three games in four nights. He said they didn't really feel like they were uh, going at all in the first two periods, and they kind of poured it on a little bit better in the uh, in the third. But uh, he said just a bit tired, and you know it's been a long road trip for them. And um, but yeah, he says obviously a different team. Than you know what they probably saw in some films before, but uh, your thoughts on the game? Well, I would, I would certainly, I you know, as somebody who's privileged enough, to, uh, you know, to travel, Josh, with an NHL team, I, I can, you know, the three games in four days tends to be a killer. You know, it's, it can, it can sometimes be a, uh, you know, what's affectionately known as a scheduling loss. Yeah, and uh, you know, they got in the wins in Vancouver and Calgary. Uh, I concur with what he said. I mean, the first two periods, the Oilers only gave up 12 shots on goal against. So, yeah. And he, he and another thing too, he was saying is that, uh, you know, just, just the picker played really well too. You know, you just ran into a goaltender that was seeing and tracking the puck really well. Um, you know, and I, and I heard, I heard you on the, the pregame show with Reed too, that out of this uh, home stat, maybe this is the toughest team that the, uh, the Oilers will play. I was listening to that on the way in and, you know, with the three lines that the, the devil's control. Oh, yeah. um, were you surprised by, you know, maybe the lack of pace earlier on in the game? Like, the nope. looked pretty good, but were you? Uh, no, I actually thought they, I thought New Jersey did a pretty good job through the neutral ice, kind of limiting Edmonton's opportunities. Um, they switched their forechuck up as the game wore on and they were behind a little right to kind of work their way back. You know, it, the devil's, you know, Josh, the Devils went two and three without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Nico Heischer right now is probably one of the best uh, two-way centermen in the National Hockey League. You saw what he did against the Flames yesterday. He, you know, he's got another point tonight. He's really good in the face-off circle. They had the puck a lot. McLeod, uh, Michael McLeod started the game 8-0 on face-offs, finished up 9-4. and New Jersey's, I, I would say this about the Devils, they... They're fast and they're quick. They're a little light. And I wonder, come playoff time, if that's going to be a factor. Uh, but they are deep. And, you know, they've got a lot of tricky little players. To me, they're going to be a really intriguing team to watch in the future because 
I mean, the, the Nemesh kid on the back end is he's got a high, high ceiling. Um, I, you know, I it would I would be stunned if New Jersey was not at least in the final four in the Eastern Conference this year. Like I, I see them for sure winning around in the playoffs all day. Yeah. So um, you know, and again, just the fact like at one point. I know, and I don't know what the I know what the overlap was with Hughes and, and Heisher, but they didn't have Meyer uh, as well. He missed a bunch of games that that Jasper Brad has scored tonight. I mean, he's killed the Oilers. He's got eleven points in nine games. He's quick, like they got darting fast forwards, and and then you look at what they got coming with uh, Luke Hughes on the back end and Emish. Like they played without Dougie Hamilton. Today. That's a seventy point defenseman they didn't have in the lineup. But I know not everybody down in Calgary loves the guy, but. He's a pretty good offensive defenseman. So um, I think that's a pretty good team that the Oilers beat tonight. And uh, and I, I stand by my, like, Florida's playing really good. They're 5-1-1 and one in their last seven. I think Tampa Bay is a little bit banged up. We'll see on Chicago. Clearly, they're in a rebuild. I think they dropped to 19-7-1 and one tonight. So I stand by, by my comment. I think New Jersey is going to be the toughest team the Oilers face in the homestead. Yeah. No, I definitely concur with that, and uh, I agree with that for sure. Um, Strickland, uh, your thoughts on the the game this afternoon, and obviously kind of what it's been up up going, you know, trending upwards. Uh, get your quick thoughts, and if you have any uh, questions for Stoff about the game today. Well, first of all, what I'd like to say first of all is that approximately two p.m. today at Rogers Place, a nice little girl named Soraya Liapis, if I'm not pronouncing your name wrong performed an amazing performance of the American and Canadian national anthems and literally touched the hearts of our family and captivated everybody here in our home. So thank you so much, Soraya, for delivering an absolutely beautiful performance of the Canadian and American national anthem. So let's start off with that because they were hosting the kids tonight and the kids were doing like sports report and sport analyst so we enjoyed that in our home and uh thank you again soraya for for doing that for us so, you oh, know, you she, she almost nice... had she almost had me choked up and for a guy you're that a has, sensitive nice guy for, man for let me a, tell you a guy that has the, the emotional capacity of a teaspoon that's pretty good there you go yeah it was so, uh no, that's uh, it was good. She uh, she got a standing ovation several times throughout those national anthems, right? She was young, yeah. Like that's yeah, that's not 11, easy. 11 years old. No, she hit a she hit a high note. You know, it reminds me of uh, there's 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 two anthems that I'll always remember. One was Whitney Houston in the Super Bowl, she was unbelievable. Um, and what a voice, but the other was Mariah Carey when the Pistons yeah. were the bad boys in the late 1980s. And she hadn't quite reached uh, stardom yet. And she must, my guess is she was like 19 or 20 at the time. And she was singing the American the Beautiful. And mm-hmm. she hit the upper tones. And you could see the players. So they're like, holy blank. She just carried that tone for the, like, they're like, oh my God, what a voice. So I, I, I you know, what's funny I like I like the but that that that's you know that next gen game is always a an interesting game. The, the kids, you know, you, they just go for it. You gotta love it. They're just going. Oh for yeah. It. Even uh, even Christina that was uh, t- uh, with uh, Tony Barr there was doing pretty good too. So yeah, Tony better watch it. 
yeah she is uh, tony bard good ball hockey player there um yeah yeah no, i know all in all i thought the others played a good game i almost wanted picks i wanted picks to get that shutout he almost had it and uh but uh top down i thought the others played pretty good we you know executed well our offense was going we were protecting our blue line and the others are clicking now man there's no uh there's no doubt about it we're we're on a heater, so let's keep this thing going. Uh, Stoff, question for you here um, from our CDN uh, text inbox, um, and it's actually from our co-host, but he uh, he wants to know, Brody McIntyre wants to know, is this the best two-way game that you ever seen Connor McDavid play as an Edmonton Oiler uh, this afternoon? Because he thinks it was. No, oh, I mean, he was physical. Uh, he got hit early, and then he responded and went back at him. I, I just think that it's working, man. Like, I... I, I so here's the thing. Chris Knobloch, when he took the job, he was asked by Mark Spector. Spector Daniel Nugent Bowman had to fly home from Seattle on the on the Sunday. We flew with the team on Saturday night. And there were rumblings, but we weren't 100% sure. And, you know, Jay couldn't buy a break in terms of the offense. But the penalty killing was 30th, the goals against was 30th, and the save percentage was 32nd when the coaching change was made. The offense was not scoring to start the year. It was going to come. The expected goals for would suggest all day that that was inevitable. I'm just going to read you the stats in the seven-game heater. So they got the best, uh, you know, they're undefeated. They're 7-0. and They got the best record. Uh, they're number one in goals for 4.86. They're number two in goals against at 1.71. They're 43.5% on the power play. They're 95.8% on the penalty kill. And for me, so I look at those offensive numbers and the power play numbers, I think, okay, I could see the Oilers having a, a six or seven game run like that. But what surprised me here is the defense and the structure and the process that they're playing with and then the penalty kill. Like that's that to me is – the biggest thing because we haven't had a lot of runs where they've killed 28 out of 29 and in the seven game winning streak, you know, like they're 23 or 24 or whatever. So uh, 28 or 29 dating back to that game in Carolina, which kind of, you know, the third period of the game in Carolina, I did the golden bears for 13 years. Rob Dom coached the team for eight of the seasons that I did the team's games. Okay. And his team's, could transition the puck. They used the middle of the ice. Okay. They let their defensemen make plays. They trans they played zone defense. So, you know, guys had quadrants. Call it a box plus one or a zone, which meant that the center was very important, took on a lot of responsibility. And then they forechecked hard with lots of puck support in the ozone. Okay. And I'm I'm watching this team, and the first guy, Chris Knobloch, the first coach he mentioned was Rob Dom. I'm here to tell you guys, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. I've seen a team play like this before. Um, Chris's numbers in the four years in Erie, goals four goals against power play and penalty kill of four full seasons he coached in Erie, 50 wins each year. They were never lower than six in any of those statistical categories. Okay, there's 20 teams in the OHL. Most of the years, they were first, second, or third in goals four. Most of the years... They were first, second, or third in the power play. One of the years they were six in goals against, and one of the years they were six in the penalty kill. 
So they've been good. Like, and he's applied. He's he's applied a little bit. Like they are playing straight zone. They're playing zone. Um, everybody knows where they, when you play zone. Everybody when you get the puck, everybody knows where they are. So that allows you to transition quicker and easier. And then Paul Coffey's come in and bred some confidence in the team as well. Darnell Nurse looks like a different player. Yeah. Bouchard, I'm sure we'll get to him. He's having an unbelievable go here. Oilers fans should be excited. But what they should be most excited about is this isn't like when they started the year. I remember with Nugent Hopkins' first year in 11-12. They, they were 9-3-2 and two at one point. Javi Blue had a 9-60 save percentage. That was fluke. You're not going to have a 9-60 save percentage. But when all parts of your game are the way their parts of the games are right now, there's a chance that there would be a degree of, you might have a drop off in one of those areas, but as a general rule of thumb, you usually get positive results if you do those things well. Yeah. One thing I'd like to add to that, Bob, what you said is uh, I like that Knobloch's got like four or five guys that he's got a clear identity of like you four or five players are clear penalty killers. You are PK guys where and it's not a knock on Woodcroft or anything like that. I'm a big fan of Jay Woodcroft, and I think his clarity with the media and everything, I liked a lot about him. But he used to kind of have that philosophy that anybody can kill penalties. But I do like that Knobloch's kind of designated four or five guys, this is your penalty-killing role, and those guys are going out there and doing it, and they're executing it, and they're doing it beautifully. So I think that's great that he selected those guys, and... They're doing what they're assigned to do, and they're taking a role on this team and and perfecting it. Like I think that's a good thing as opposed to uh, anyone can kill penalties and we'll throw McD and Dreisaitl out there all the odd time on the PK, where what he has done is he's assigned four or five players to do it, yeah. and then after the kill's done, McD and Dreisaitl go after a two-minute rest and they jump a shift together. Yeah, well, a couple of things. So Knobloch did his analytics when he took the job, looked at the penalty kill. The Oilers in the first 13 games used 24 different sets of forwards on the PK. Mm. Only two sets of those forwards played more than four minutes a game. So, like, okay, there were some injuries with some of those guys. Like, Yanmark got knocked out of the lineup. That's a player that both Jay and and Chris liked. Um, they played a lot of 11 and 7, which so there was mismatching with the forward lines. Uh, and 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 also the PK or the uh, defense parents, and we'll get to Broberg later. But I think what had ended up happening a bit on the penalty kill, sometimes they were chasing games. They had more offensive players in the ice. So yeah. 100% Mark, you're right. He's he's created clear role identity, specifically for the bottom six forwards. Nugent Hopkins is the one top six forward who consistently kills. He's in, You watch it. You go through the last seven games. Nugent Hopkins and Derek Ryan are on the first uh, PK forward group. The second PK forward group, now that they're both healthy and back, is Yanmark and Connor Brown. The third PK group um, is Fogel and McLeod. If there's a defensive zone draw and Brown and Yanmark are out there, then Dreisaitl comes out to take the draw that he gets off the ice as fast as he can. So that's, that's right. That's kind of what they've done. Um cool. It seems like after, 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 every, after every successful kill, he doesn't hesitate to throw McDavid and Drysdale no. out together after a successful but kill. Nor did Jay, but nor did Jay, Mark. But, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, it's 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 creating a situation where everybody feels they're chipping in. 
yeah, a lot of this, yeah, I like it. a lot of the PK, I like would, a lot of the PK credit would go to Mark Stewart too, wouldn't you say? Stoff there, now yeah, yeah. I mean, he's taking it on, uh, no question. So, um, you know, I picked a bad night. I so I got all Ab- all Alabama players on my fantasy football team. Yes. Okay, and I had a chance to start Jalen Hurts tonight or Tua Tagovailoa tomorrow against Tennessee, and I thought, you know, Tennessee's fired their coach. They're going to be all fired up. I know Miami's at home, but Philadelphia had a rough week last week against the, the 49ers. They're going to be pumped to play the, the Cowboys, and Jalen Hurts hasn't done a damn thing halfway through this game, so – I'm not looking too good here. I'm, there's a good chance I'm going to end up dropping one. So, uh, but yeah, I got all Alabama starters. You got you got to have little things that you're into, Josh. You know that. Besides, can't can't all be hockey all the time. It could be 98 percent hockey, but sometimes it's a little bit of NFL. Sometimes it's some college football. And you learn a lot. You learn a lot when you're watch those other programs and elite programs. And that's you know it, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. But, like, I watched Knobloch, and I, hey, I was talking about this guy 10 years ago. He won in Kootenai with a defensive team, Erie with an offensive team. He didn't a lot. Of, he didn't have a lot of A-grade prospects with the Rangers. He still developed some players. They made him competitive in the playoffs. Oilers might have something with this guy. This, it's going good right now. Now, saying that, Jay Woodcroft, from February 10th of 2022 till the start of this season, had the second-best regular season record in the NHL. He did a pretty good job as well. Yeah. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep. That's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www dot we are cdn dot ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code two months at checkout for 15 percent off your order now let's grab a knee have i got a deal for you we have teamed up with manscaped and we can save you some big time coin this upcoming nhl season guys are your sticks and pucks getting hairy in the corners and gals is your goalie still using horsehair coopers well, let's wake up. Use the code 2MUTS to save 20% plus free shipping on Manscaped products. Listen, we all love to score and we all want to win the cup. Why not do it on a fresh, clean, smooth sheet of ice? That way we all win. Manscaped is the only way to go. Again, the code is 2MUTS to save 20% plus free shipping on Manscaped products. Now let's bring it in. Manscaped on three. One, two, three. All right, Mutz fans, listen up. So SeatGeek is an amazing app that helps you buy tickets in the easiest way possible. So please, if you ever need to buy tickets to any event, NHL, NBA, NFL, CFL, 
MLB or concert tickets, click the link in our description and use promo code Two Months Pod to get 20% off your first purchase. That's Two Months Pod to get 20% off your first purchase. SeatGeek is where it's at. So uh, what, a few things, a few tough conversations. This is our uh, Edmonton Oilers report sponsored by our friends at Shattified Salon and Barbershop. Uh, Shaddy, I was there the, on the weekend, uh, Stoff. He really, really wants you to come by and get your hair cut there at least once. So, uh, All right. Can yeah. you make me look 15 years younger and help He's, me lose about 35 pounds? You sure can. If you can do it for me, you can do it for you, right? There you go. So, uh, uh, so Shaddy will be fired up for that. But uh, – where do you uh, where where are you at with uh, the, obviously the news that Frank Saravalli reported with uh, Philip Broberg and I think a couple of years ago stuff on Oilers now you had a Swedish reporter is it Mike Zeiser I, can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing uh, it. Mike Zanier yes yeah so um, his kind of thoughts on Broberg just kind of wonder where you're at with him obviously uh, the the news of him going down and Gleason coming up and you know uh, I've seen Gleason a lot in, in uh, with the Texas Stars when uh, he was there paired paired up with Petro. Um, Another good friend of the pod in in uh, Alexander Petrovich, but uh, you know your thoughts on the Broberg going down, Gleason coming up, and and where do you, where are you at with the development? And do you think Broberg can still be a player uh, for the Oilers going forward here at some point? Well, I, I definitely think Broberg can still be a player because Dale Town said it best: you don't know what you have with a defenseman until he's played about three hundred games in the NHL, and Broberg's in the seventies. Uh, if you had told me two years ago, we went into Vegas. Might have been, might have been Iron Bowl weekend because I was watching the Iron Bowl in the broadcast booth between it. Bryce Young was quarterback in Alabama. The game went into uh, the two minute, the two point convert shootout thing in Auburn. Uh, Broberg was paired with Cody Cece, and he played like twenty two minutes, and he was great against Vegas, who are a hard four checking team. If you had told me then that two plus years later. Broberg wouldn't be an established NHL, or I would have said you're crazy. But the Oilers added first Kulak and then Eckholm, and they still have Nurse. So they've got a lot of experience on the left side. The agent, uh, Darren Ferris, I respect that he's competing and he's fighting for his client. That's what you're, you know, he's trying to push the envelope. Ken Holland was on Oilers now on Thursday, he said, look, there may have been a little bit of a miscommunication. We've worked on it. We're trying to improve uh, communication back and forth between us. In the meantime, Broberg's gone down to the minors. I know he played really well the first game. Back-to-back, he probably played 40 minutes of the two games. Um, He hadn't played a lot lately. He's going to play Tuesday again. And from this point forward in the short term, while he's down in Bakersfield, I see him playing 20 to 22 minutes a night. So the best place for him, until an opportunity presents itself through injury. Yeah. That's so I'm not giving up on Philip Broberg. For those of you that say, well, they should have got more of a guy picked in the first round of the 2019 draft. Hundred percent that's a fair comment. Yeah. Who's this who's the second rounder of the Leafs app from 2019 that's in their in their lineup? In the Leafs lineup? Was it yeah, is that Robertson? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Nick Robertson. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's you know, it took him some time too. He's obviously got a career high in points, Robinson, right now. But yeah, yeah, he's he just played you know, thirteen games in a row, and like a little crazy. bit easier for a forward to break in. But right now, the Oilers like Holloway's hurt. He's played about 55, 60 games. He still hasn't gained the traction. 
I still believe in both of those players. I do. Yeah. But it'd be fair to say that you would have hoped for greater contributions to date from both players. No questions asked. Yeah. So now Craig Simpson said something interesting on Robinson on Saturday night um, that I thought, you know, could maybe bold well, but I, I'd have to go back and look and see what the consecutive games Broberg's played, like how many consecutive games he's played in a row. And Nick Robinson played his 13th consecutive game in a row for the Leafs the other night. So he can wake up knowing that he's playing the next night and there's no, I'm not playing, I'm playing. And that was a problem with him. And obviously the injury was a big concern in Robinson's development and somewhat in Broberg's too. You know, and COVID kind of put a, put a wrench into a lot of what this. Dude, all those guys. Yeah. Like, Josh, did you see any of the games during the Holinka Gretzky back in 2018? Yeah, I was at some. Bro, yeah. Like, 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 Broberg was Sweden's best player. Yeah. You know, the, he could skate. I know that's the biggest thing is like, oh, people just took him because he can skate. But, you know, I still think. Um... <laughs> one of the things, yeah, one of the things Mike Zanier said was that he hadn't grabbed it in Sheleftia yet when he was there. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't. And that's if you're looking at this and you're an Oiler fan and you're saying they blew the pick, and you know, here's the reasons why he's not a full-time NHL player. There's other players that are way more impactful than their clubs. Well, to date, he's not a full-time player, and he's nowhere near as impactful as other players drafted around. That's an undeniable fact. I would just say it's too early to give up on him. Yeah. Um, we'll move over to Jack Campbell. Uh, do you think he gets called up after this road trip and where the Oilers kind of go on a six game road uh, or after this homestead where the Oilers go on the road or does the tonight's today's performance with Pickard uh, buy you maybe another month? Because like, I really liked your interview with, with Colin Chalk last Monday. I think that was a really insightful interview. Um, you know, I was driving back from Fort McMurray when I was listening to that. And, you know, the fact that you, said what you said on the two goals that he shouldn't allowed but you know and and Colin kind of really did double down on the fact of like hey yes he had some three good performances before but yeah you know goal one and goal four can't go in and you know I think that's pretty honest from a coach and I like the way he breaks down all the players I think if anyone gets a chance go to the uh, YouTube version of that I know it's a bit of an older interview but it's a really insightful interview I think people get a lot from it I actually told LA Freeman to go listen to it too because I, I thought it was really really good um but just kind of the the thought on Campbell right now, and do you think with Pickard's performance today, it buys the Oilers a little bit more time, where you know you can leave him down there a little bit more because Pickard can uh, take the take the reins here if he needs to in a backup role. Well, Josh, number one, based on Pick, let's deal with Pickard first. Yeah, those players played today like they were prepared to dive in a grenade for him. They like him. He's a good guy, which is not to say that Campbell's not a good guy. They were pulling hard for Campbell last year, too, but they played hard for him today. They fronted a lot of pucks. I think they had 23 block shots in the game. So that's number one. Number two, Campbell. So we had that interview on Monday, and he had the poor performance on Saturday, two bad goals against. Well, he got in there on Friday, and he didn't have a very good start this this past Friday either. Not I I watched – I didn't watch the entire game, but I watched – because we were playing – yeah. The orders were playing, but I watched the highlights of the game Friday. He has to be better than that. Okay. And so that's two tougher starts in a row. So, in my opinion, Pickard gives you the option of starting him. Um, so the owners got three games left in this homestand, and then they got three games before Christmas on the road in New York. And it's on a back to back. What there's uh the New Jersey Rangers game back to back. I think you could leave Pickard up and have Pickard start the game in New Jersey. Yeah. 
So that that gives Skinner five of the final six starts before Christmas. I, I would not hesitate to do that based on a Pickard's performance. And in my opinion, I want to see Campbell have three or four good good starts before he even contemplated recalling them. So there's your answer. Strix, do you have anything there? You want to jump in? And- well, you know what? I got to agree with what Bob just said there. Like, uh, I got to look at it with my eyes. And what I saw tonight and what I've seen previous is Skinner can play. Looks like Picks can be a pretty solid, reliable backup the way he played today against Jersey. I thought he played an awesome game. He made a couple big saves and big moments and kept the Oilers in it. I actually thought he was going to get the egg at one point. And, you know, it was a kind of bit of a disappointment that he let the one by. But I thought he could have walked out there with an egg tonight. And and I actually felt pretty good about our goaltending tandem. So I would agree with what Bob's saying and let Campbell string four or five good wins together, keep his GAA down and, you know, when he's ready, come back. I, I fully think that Campbell deserves another shot here in Edmonton and all that. But uh, looking up, looking with my eyes tonight, I, I didn't see anything for concern between the Skinner and uh, Pickard combo at all. Um, you touched on Evan Bouchard earlier there, Stoff. Uh, you know, yeah. the point streak he's on right now, uh, he's seeing the puck. The puck is uh, is going going in for him. Um, the fact that he's able to break out, I uh, he got into my buddy Toffoli's face a little bit earlier in the game too. But yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, right in front of the bench. So he threw Toffoli down. I didn't like that. No, I'm joking. But he did get into Toffoli's face earlier. Do so. that more. Yes, exactly. Um, your thoughts of uh, where he's at right now? And, you know, I know that, uh, you know, some of the pundits were going after him pretty hard. But, uh, you know, what we're seeing is uh, kind of what we thought we were going to get at some point, right? So I like guys that are elite puck movers, and he's an elite puck mover. He can, he, you know, he's got a great processor. He can really think the game. Uh, he, he transitions the puck because he can get it up. That's the thing that Nurse has done a lot better here in the last three weeks is get the puck up. I mean, Darnell Nurse traded the first power play today with a 120-foot diagonal uh, pass off the boards to dry settle to create that two-on-one. So Kane drove the lane, and Kane's been fighting through some injury here, but he drove the lane on the partial breakaway, and then they got the power play. But Schmid made some good saves today for New Jersey. Um, I'm not surprised with Bouchard. If you, and I know you listen to the show, Josh, I've been talking about Bouch for the last five years. I would have played Bouchard ahead of Caleb Jones and uh, Ethan Bear in the 2021 All-Canadian Division. I said it to Dave Tippett. I said it to Jim Playfair. I said it in Zoom because we were not on the road with the team that year. Um this guy has a high ceiling. And in fairness to Tippett, he's the one that came up with the Larry Murphy comparable. Yeah. But Bouchard shoots the puck like Al McKinnis. And that's, I mean, he's grooving it right now. And that's, so go ahead and take away. The Oilers have the best three. We've talked about this before. When they're rolling McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins in a 1-3-1, Hyman the net front, Bouch the point. So maybe in the past, at times, you could take McDavid and Dreisaitl away a little bit in the seam. You you open you over you overcommit to McDavid and you open up space to Bouchard. Yeah, he's going to shoot the pill past you and he can do it. So yeah. I'm liking what we see. He's picked up his defensive urgency a little bit. He's never going to be Chris Pronger with his stick toughness and play nasty and those sort of things. But the Oilers have something with this guy. Yeah, you know what, Bob? To to add to that, the one thing I'm watching Bouchard do now. 
is he's kind of taking a page out of Tyson Berry's book where he's pedaling across the blue line where he receives the pass on the wall and he pedals yeah. his feet across the blue line and creates a shooting lane and just lets her rip it. Yeah. And well, I'm actually he, really enjoying watching him do that. You know, it's interesting because the Leafs signed Klingberg and in Klingberg's prime, nobody could walk the line like he could. Yeah. And Bush is walking it, but Bush's advantage, he's got a way heavier shot. And yeah. uh, that shot can say, I mean, look what they did last year in the playoffs against Vegas. Vegas dominated Edmonton five on five, with the exception of the Fogel, Derek, Ryan, and McLeod line in games two for three, through two through six. Vegas won a lot of the five on five puck, uh, you know, the, the shot shares in that series ultimately won the series. But the order's power play absolutely sliced and diced them. It brought them back against LA when they were down uh, three nothing in game four to come back in that series. And Bouchard, the, the power play is better with Evan than it was with Tyson Berry. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I just yeah. love to watch that pedal across the line and create that lane and just let her rip. It just it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. I never had that sort of lateral movement. So for me it was a <laughs> lot tougher to execute. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. I can uh I can relate. <laughs> and uh yeah, so any any other other stuff there, Strickland, you want to add before we move on to the the hitting from behind debate that we're gonna have here? We'll finish up. No, more. no, I don't think so, Josh. Just uh, I'm glad where the direction's going. I didn't just, I wasn't uh, counting the others out by any means. And I'm glad to see them string a bunch of wins together like this and just prove all the doubters wrong. Yeah. Um, like they said on uh, TSN Overdrive, uh, uh, Vegas, uh, probably, you know, maybe LA or even the Canucks, uh, they're not going to want to play the Oilers in a, uh, in a, if the Oilers become a wild card team, they're not going to want to face those uh, those teams. So um, we'll see what happens. It, I think they can still maybe catch maybe Vancouver because they're slipping a little bit. But Vancouver's done some good things as an organization. Five trades since the start of the year. Yeah, they have a better team right now, Josh, than they had going into the season. They have they had the yeah. Smith in goal, so he's a better backup than Spencer Martin. Like you know, I love Lafferty. Yeah. Love Lafferty. Yeah. Love Lafferty. And then, you know, Pearson, by the way, got knocked out of the lineup for six weeks tonight from Montreal. He's hurt again. Um, so, they, you know, they moved Pearson for DeSmith, used the cap savings to get Lafferty, and then they ended up getting uh, Chicago to buy in Beauvillier, and that creates the mechanism to take on Zadorov. They've done some – Jim Rutherford and Patrick, company, Patrick Alvin, they've done some good work there, and Tockett's got those – they've failed for so many years, and that's what it is. They failed. They missed the playoffs seven of the last eight years. Vancouver's got a good team. Vegas is a good team. Todd McClellan's a, a really good coach. There's some good teams in the Pacific. Yeah, there uh, sure is. Uh, um, it'll be interesting to see, but let's move to our NHL report sponsored by Sheena Boychuk. Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name right. That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Mods podcast sent you. Realty by Design, your design approach to real estate. We'd like to thank Sheena for jumping on. This is a new sponsor for us. So we're very excited to have her join us here on this Two Mods podcast journey. You know, obviously Kyle Oposo uh, spoke uh, very openly last night uh, from the the hit from yeah. that one of his players received and uh, the inconsistency. And he was telling Tre uh, referee Trevor Hansen about uh, 
I don't get it the night before. Evander Kane does it, gets uh, gets nothing. There's an injury on the play. I do. I just, like I was telling Trevor, I mean, we're having a conversation out there. I just, I don't understand how Evander Kane gets nothing last night. And then there's a five-minute penalty. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's the exact same play. There's an injury on the play. I, under, I understand that he has to call it, and that's, that's fine. That's not on him. I just don't like the consistency factor. Like, that's, that's a literal identical play with zero, zero penalty and then one with a five in a game. It doesn't make sense. Um, again, I was listening to you and Reed on the way in. You were breaking down. I was listening, so I didn't get to see the highlights until I got home of what Cabranson was doing. And... Um, you know, I met Branson once. The guy is a, an amazing person and a really good hockey player. Um, he likes to, he's uh, not shy away from from it. And kind of what Elliot Freeman posted on Twitter, he, to put justice, justice in his own hands because yeah. Cousins uh, hit him from behind. So where are you at here? Because I the way I know Gregor, Jason Gregor says this a lot. The NHL doesn't take hitting from behind seriously. I personally don't think they do. I think you know, obviously, Branson has a has a hearing tomorrow. Um, you know, from what he what he did, I think he got up to 29 minutes of penalties. Uh, you know, in that one incident, he got 27 minutes of penalties because he had yeah. prior. But, uh, you know, where are you at? Because I, I don't like it. I think it's a joke. I, 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 I'm not going to say the Oilers weren't the better team against Minnesota. They clearly were. But I think that play that Vander Kane should have got five in a game dictated the outcome of the game because obviously the Oilers got a power play and they scored and they won on that. Um, you know, the, at the end of the day, you could say the Oilers were the better team all night. The shots and everything was... But the fact that that didn't get called and Brodeen's going to miss four weeks, and then we saw, you know, one another one and then another one, and good thing Brooke Cabranson didn't get hurt off the one that he had. And I don't yeah. like Cousins either. I think the guy's a, a weasel of a player. He doesn't really stand up for himself. And You might like him more if he was playing for your team. He's a little bit greasy. Well, he eliminated the Leafs last year, so that's why I don't like him even more. So Yeah, geez, um, I, wonder, I wonder if that might have something to do with it. Exactly. Here's what I would, Anyways, go ahead, stop. You might we say. are going to talk about the Leafs and then the Oilers and the big guns. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I would say. If that was uh, Evan Bouchard going back for the puck and somebody belted him the way Kane got Brodeen and there was no penalty call and then one of the Oilers players went to defend Bouchard and they got the minor, I'd be pretty exasperated too. So I completely understand the frustration that Minnesota had in that sequence. I'm also surprised that Kane didn't get a penalty because he's a Vander Kane and he gets, it seems to me a lot of times, he gets calls against them that not every player in the league would get. Correct. And then they missed that one. I was surprised. I thought for sure he'd get at least a minor in that situation. So saying that, there's been times where he's been called for stuff that I'm thinking is complete and total BS, like 50-50 stuff that they let lots of other guys get away with. And I agree with Jason. I think they've got to take uh they gotta take some of this, you know, some of the stuff away. It's just a little it's a little much, you know what I mean? Like it, it, they got to do a better job of sometimes it gets called other times it doesn't. I can tell you right now, like I, I, I was part of a generation where you hit from the time that you were six on. Okay. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I used to skate with my head down and then I get the snot kicked out of me with hits. I never once purposely hit a guy from behind in the boards ever. I blew guys up all the time, okay? I did. I was a big kid. I skated through guys. I tried to hit them in the sternum, okay? I made guys have seizures on the ice. I hit them so hard. But I wasn't anywhere near good enough to even play major junior. But for my generation, you simply did not finish guys off. Now, 
one of the things that's happened is you've got players that are turning back in the boards and not protecting themselves either. I'll leave it at this. I don't think, I think Evander pushes the envelope. I think at times he gets, he doesn't get the breaks from the official. I think he got a break in that situation. So I can understand why Minnesota was frustrated. And it's interesting you say that because a couple of years ago, uh, my grandpa passed away and I was on a plane. I was going to his funeral and uh, I actually sat next. I think I told you this before stuff, but I, I sat next to an NHL ref because I always would go at you through text when I'm like, stop ripping the refs on radio, stop ripping the refs on radio. And I just sat next to this one ref on, on the plane and it was a short ride. It wasn't too long. It was from Edmonton to Victoria, but uh, so it was relatively painless for the ref then is what you're saying. Exactly. You got that right. But I still, I kept in contact with this, with this ref. He's still in the NHL today. He's a veteran. He's been around a while. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, and it's funny you brought up that analogy of Kane and I brought that up through a text message. I'm like, that should be five in a game. And he goes, I, I agree. He's like, it should have been a call. And he goes, actually, he's like, over time, probably, yes, maybe Kane might get, you know, more calls than than you think. But the respect that the refs have for him, and I don't, I'm not just saying it, it's because of what he's done off the ice, but really what he's done off the ice in, in coming to Edmonton, um, you know, I think maybe plays a factor in, in, in of it, in it too. I don't know. I'm just like, I can only speak to what this ref is saying. Like, I'm not saying he's. Yeah, I, I, I just think the Oilers ducked one there. Like, you know, you need a little, you know what? They're 7 and 0. They're playing pretty well, but they've had a couple breaks. And that's that's an illustration of where they got a, a beneficial non call. Like, it happens once in a while. And other times, you know, we're watching Connor, and I think he moves so fast that you can't always get the, the hooks and the interior holds. And, and the other thing, Josh, I've said this to you for years, I believe veteran teams get veteran calls. They do. I believe young teams that are trying to establish themselves, they don't get a lot of calls. And I think to the Oilers of the early 80s, when they played the Islanders, the Islanders got a lot of calls. And then conversely, as Edmonton became a really good team, by the time they played Boston in 88-90, I think Edmonton got more calls than Boston. And yep. your beloved Maple Leafs, you might see something happen where maybe when they play Tampa, okay, a couple times, maybe they didn't get a lot of calls, and then maybe that started to shift a little bit. And it's so tight, right? Like, it's so close between those teams. One, call, It's not like the refs want one team to win instead of another, but it, a, a call at a, at a time, you, you said it, it played an outcome in that game against Minnesota. If that's a five-minute major to Kane, with no response from the Wild, the likelihood is be almost impossible for Edmonton to kill that off, and they might lose the game. Yeah. So they got. I I think they probably got a. They, the Oilers probably got away with one, and and maybe if Vander, you're saying it's about time because they seem to mail me every time I do something. Yeah, and obviously the Oilers been on the other side of calls that aren't good either. You know, there's a history of there's a definitely yes. history of that in its own right too. Uh, um, obviously, yeah. So the other night you're on the panel with uh, Mac T. Um, you know, some a lot of people said I look like Mac T. I don't even know where that would come from, but uh, but uh, we'll see about that. I don't know. I, sometimes I get stopped and like people say, "Am I his son?" I'm like, "No, I'm not related to him at all." So he's a he's a good coach, but um, I don't think you look like Mac T. No, exactly. I don't. But uh, anyways, uh, so you're you obviously throw a little job into the Oilers. I mean, to the Leafs guys as best you can. 
And that's the way I take it, but probably not a bad, bad job. But uh, you're the only guy that took it as a job. Exactly. Probably was. So, but the only thing I think I say to that is, you know, they're seven, one and two in their last 10. Um, You know, I'm I'm just talking about the lease right now for, you know, what they've gone through injury wise. And, you know, a lot of uh, Oiler buddies will, they're always screenshotting me the, uh, the McDate, the Matthews goal total assist total point total compared time. And then obviously, you know, over. That's not what I was talking What I was talking about was no, I, 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 playoff time. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get that for sure. But, uh, you know, the thing is, that I think they're, they're trying to win. They're winning different in ways that they weren't winning before is what I'm trying to say now. And I think at the end of the day, regardless of what the point total is in the playoffs, um, whether McDavid has 37 points in you know 18 playoff games or Drysdale has 42 or whatever it is in 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 the series that they had the the last couple of years, um, you know when I look at it, there's zero cups next to them, so I don't think it really so matters. Josh, you're looking at it like that, so here you go. Yeah, okay, okay go ahead. Yeah, Ooh. how many playoff series did the Maple Leafs won with this core? They've won one, and I understand it, but I'm talking about at the end of the day when you so- talk about talent. And what you're doing, I would say Toronto's had a deeper team than Edmonton, and they've won one. Now you could argue they played a tougher conference. They've won one playoff series. The others have won three. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about your top two guys. So I look at the Leafs and I go, Matthews and Marner are their two best players. Now this year, Nylander's having a great year, and uh, you know Tavares is Tavares. Yeah, Toronto's had decent depth in those teams. Do you know how many playoff points in the last two years that Matthews and Marner have had in their 18 playoff games? Yeah, they don't. They only have like under 30, 30. I think it's like 39 or 37 points. No, so in 18 playoff games the last two years, Matthews has 20 points and Marner has 22. Okay. So they're both just over a point per game. In their entire playoff careers, 50 games played, Matthews has 44 and Marner has 47. They're less than a point per game. Mm-hmm. So they have 44 and 47 points in 50 games, those two guys. McDavid has 53 points in the last two years in 28 games. And Leon's got 50 in the last 20. So the, the, they've each played 22 games fewer, and they each have more points because they're dug in. When you watch, when you watch. Here's the thing. When I'm watching Edmonton and I'm watching Toronto, and I want Toronto to win because I want Edmonton and Toronto to play in the final, right? I do. Yeah. When I'm watching Edmonton and and, and when, when the Oilers lose, no one's thinking to themselves, damn it, Connor and Leon needed to dig in and do more. They did as much as they possibly could. When they lost to Colorado, they just weren't deep enough. Colorado, the, don't forget, the Oilers have lost to the Stanley Cup champs the last two years. Yeah. They had Vegas to six games. And I think in if you Toronto's look- case, I bet you if you put true serum into Bradbury Living, he would tell you because he watched Connor and Leon take a series away from his team with Calgary. Calgary had the deeper, better team, Josh. I bet you if you put true serum in, in uh, Bradbury Living, he'd tell you we need – Matthews and Marner to dig in the way McDavid and Drysaddle did. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. I'm not denying they're not great players. I might argue Matthew Mitch Marner, when he's on his game, might be the best winger in the National Hockey League. Okay, when when Austin Matthews is on his game, he's right there with Connor, and a lot would assert based on five on five productivity and plus minus that he might be better than Liam when he's on his game. But in the playoffs, the last two years, you can't deny who the best two players in the playoffs have been. 
The Oilers have played as many playoff series as anyone the last two years, and McDavid and Drysaddle have been the most productive players in the playoffs. They haven't. The, the, the Oilers not winning is not a reflection on those guys. It's a reflection that the organization's got to build more around them. That's where I'm coming from, Josh. Yeah. And Bob, that's what, that's what I like so much about you. As you say everything that I got on my head, you're literally speaking my mind. And well, that's not, a scary it's, thing because I don't want to know not, what's on your mind in an hour it, from now. It, it's not a knock. <laughs> it's not a knock on Matthews and Marner, but I would say if they could get closer, and it's a tough ask to compete with McDavid and Drysital, but if they can be closer to them in the playoffs and just get that much closer to a McDavid and Dreisaitl combo, it will make a big difference in Toronto. But to this point, it just hasn't happened, and that's why Toronto is where they are. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, I actually think the Leafs, like, you know what, you look back at 2021, they they lose that series in seven of Montreal. Three-game heater from Carey Price, but that was maybe the easiest opportunity they, they had. They lose in... Uh, 20 who'd I lose to in uh yeah in, in 22 they lost to Tampa right yeah they lost to Tampa. and in 23 they beat Tampa yeah and, and and I might argue with you Josh they played better in 22 when I watched those games like than they did yeah, in they 23 all Tampa, they all played Tampa in that first round they lost and then Tampa played them and they had the three and Toronto one and, and Toronto and, and one yeah. So I, I guess what I'm saying. And every to game is, against Florida was a one goal game loss. It's not like they got blown out, right? So but, when they played the Panthers. So but McDavid and Dreisaitl willed Edmonton to victory over Calgary. Yeah. In a, in a round two series. And you could argue two years in a row against LA. And maybe the orders should have never gone seven against LA in year one because LA didn't have Dowdy. And I'm not denying that the degree of difficulty that Tampa Bay is not a way better team than LA. But when the money was on the line, Connor and Leon got to a place and dragged their whole team along with them. And I don't think you can say that with Matthews and Marner yet. Now, here's the beauty for the Leafs. They got Nylander. They got Tavares. They got a smart general manager. They're going to add another defenseman. They got Riley, who's a good D-man. Goaltending, I guess, right now. I mean, it looks like the wall kid's going to be good down the road. They could do it. They could still win this year. And I'll tell you right now, if they win... It's going to be because if, if Toronto does win, Josh, it'll be because Marner's, Marner and Matthews have a playoff like Leon and Connor had two years ago. I I, I, hey, as a guy that watches every single Leaf game and haven't missed the Leaf game, I don't see – I'm not trying to criticize them. Like, that's just not them. They're not those type of players. They're not – the team isn't built that way. Like That's how the Oilers are built. Oilers are top-heavy. Like The owner of the Vegas Golden Knights said it when, he won, when, they won the Stanley, when they won the Stanley Cup last year. He's like, we knew we were going to beat Edmonton. There's no way we weren't going to lose to Edmonton. When you play Connor and Leon 26, 27 minutes a night. What does the new coach do right now? Yeah, he's like, you're, you're going to win. What's you're the new coach done oh, right he's, now? He's scaled done. the minutes down for sure. So, But Bill Foley said it in an interview after they won the Stanley Cup. Now, it's probably easier for him to say that after the fact. Maybe he didn't speak op- openly. I don't know. He's a very outspoken owner. He said he was going to win a Stanley Cup in the first six years. He won a Stanley Cup in the first six years. They, they got to the they got to the final four four times. They had pretty long extended playoffs. They also missed the playoffs the year before they won the cup. Uh, and let's not forget it was two two in the series after two games, and in seven minutes they flipped the series in game five, and then their goalie stole game six. Yeah, but fair in fairness to him, I do think the Oilers' top guys they run out of a little bit of, like 
they played a ton. I, I, I will be stunned if you if assuming Edmonton makes the playoffs this year, be, unless there's injuries, I don't see Edmonton playing 11 and 7. Yeah. I think they want to roll four lines and build. They need Holloway to come back. I think they'll add at least one, possibly two more forwards via trade yeah. at some point. So, but it, you can talk about it. They're not built the same way, the two teams. I'm just telling you, the McDavid and Dreisaitl got the Oilers as far as they possibly could have literally on their own because they were dug in and they were all in. They got to another level than they were at when they lost to, uh, even when they lost to Chicago, they had 15 points in four games. Yeah. Right. So, and I, and I, I think we're still a little bit waiting for Matthews and Mark. Now they got help because Nylander's a hell of a player too. Oh, he's always played good in the playoffs. Tavares always played good, and then he got hurt, right? So, yeah. like, I just look at it like it's easy to to make the excuse. Like you said it numerous times, if they have Kadri in one of the two Boston series, they probably they win. They, they, they win. They either, go on, he, right? He, Whether he, they win the Stanley Cup, who knows? At least they get past the round. They, they get past sure. if he yeah. just keeps head about them. They probably win one of those two series. Yeah. So, and obviously, the direction of the team is a little bit more different under that situation. Maybe then a little at, bit. Then more. I look at it. They're playing Wall who's only had six games to his credit. He's their starting goaltender because Kyle Dubas went in on the St. St. Marie boys. Every guy, if you played for St. St. Marie, if you played for the St. St. Marie, yeah, yeah. yeah, you played for the suit, you got a contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs under Kyle Dubas. So, you know, but the fact that you, and it is whatever injuries are part of the game. I'm not going to blame it, but I did like, I don't, Hey, hey if, it, if they do it, awesome. Matthews and Marner have. Can I, let me, let me ask you, let me, let me pose the question. I just don't think they're built that way is my, is my thing. Like, my response, I, I still and, think and Matthews is the best goal scorer in the NHL by far, hands down. I think Matthews is the best goal scorer in the NHL right now, by far, hands down. So, you know, obviously, the, the you know, and, and the reason why is because what he does five on five, you know, even strength is the hardest time to score. And he does it at the best, at the greatest rate. He has 35 more goals than the next player at, at even strength goals since he's broken in the NHL. Like, I don't like. I don't when, know, when, but that's hard so, in this market, right? If he plays in this market, then the conversation of Matthews is the best because you won't have anyone in this market in Edmonton say he's that great. They just won't. Like you might talking be, about, he's the top five player. Like I, he probably is the purest goal scoring forward in the league right now. He probably is. I would I would probably concede that because McDavid probably needs more opportunities. But guess what? McDavid can get more opportunities. Because he's gifted from the gods and he's that dynamic of a player. Again, Josh, at the end of the day, a guy going on the air and saying the McDavid and Dry Settle have dug in and elevated Edmonton to five playoff series in the last two years. And they've been the two best offensive, they've been the two best players in the playoffs over the last two years. And Vegas didn't you can't deny it. No, I you would can't. never deny it. They're like they're, they're and in order for Toronto the- to take the next step. Yeah. They're going to need those guys to have that level of productivity. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah. And Leon you know, Jackson, in my, in, in my mind, in, the in my mind, the NHL, it's the tightest, it's the tightest league in professional sports. There's no argument about it. You compare it to football, baseball, basketball. It's the tightest league in professional sports, in my opinion. And the big challenge for management and for coaching staffs is how do we get the most out of these top two guys or top three guys how do we manage their minutes and what roles do we distinguish for these guys because honestly at the end of the day where all this comes from is we're in the tightest competition in professional sports in my opinion so 
it's on the owners, it's on the coaches to maximize production. I mean, Bill Foley. A couple of key guys in minute yeah. roles, in uh, in player roles, in position roles, and how do we get the most out of what we got? Because we got we got good things, and let's get the most out of it, right? Well, I mean, the Oilers the Oilers took took Vegas to six. It was there for them. I think what happened is they had a, they had a, a failure to capitalize and it affected them at the start of the year. I think they just wanted to get back and get right and forgot, hey, we got to earn our way in and get going here. They didn't have any offensive juice early in the season and they defended poorly and gave and their goalies struggled out of the gate. Yeah. But it was, you know, you talk about it being close. It's a it's a seven minute just 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 think about the sequencing of what happened in game four. It's a 2-2 series. Alex Petrangelo, two hands, the most dynamic offensive player in the league in the playoffs the last two years. Okay? He two hands him. He chops him. And then Darnell Nurse, and if Darnell had that play over, he probably doesn't, you know, go uh, engage in the fight with Haig. We had two rescinded instigator fighting majors last year in the regular season. There wasn't one that actually resulted in another game suspension. Okay? But they held it, so both teams lost their best defenseman for a game each. Well, yeah. Vegas had a better defense than Edmonton. So now Broberg's got to play, and he's the guy that gets called on a 50-50 call. Remember, veteran players get veteran calls. Yeah. He gets a 50-50 call, and then Yanmar takes a high stick, and now they got a five-on-three, and boom, they're back in the game, and they're off and running in yeah. game five because the orders were up. If Nurse plays that game and Petrangelo's, by the way, for the record, I don't believe for a second, had Darnell Nurse not done the instigator I and they suspended him for a game, I do not believe for a second that Alex Petrangelo would have been suspended. He should have been. He should have been, yeah. I don't believe he would have been suspended if Nurse hadn't also been suspended. Yeah, and a lot Tell of that. Right. And a lot of that goes back to what happened in Vegas against San Jose years ago. They get some of the calls. They got hosed. Yep. The Vegas Golden Knights got hosed on that play of Pavelski. Yeah. They did. And they're a really well-run, ruthless and relentless organization. Oh, yeah. By the way, how's Dubas doing in Pittsburgh? Not so well. Not so well. So that well that and and you know, they've had the longest trio of players play together of any active team in professional sport, right? Between Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Yeah. They add Carlson. I watched that team last year. Edmonton went in there and just pounded them. And they look slow. And now they still look slow. Don't bet against those guys. They're great players, but they look your leaves are gonna be fine. They're making the playoffs all day. Yeah, well, uh, you know, maybe in a wild card because you know, I do like what Detroit's doing and no, they're no, they're awesome. still finished. Yeah. Top three, top three all day. Yeah. Well, like, well, obviously, you know, Samsonov came in and, you know, if uh, the biggest thing right now, at least they're only in the position that they're in because the goaltending in Nylander right now, you know, it's weird saying it, Matthews is only one behind Kucherov for the goal lead, but, uh, you know, Matthews hasn't been his normal self. Marner has definitely not been his normal self. And, you know, Tavares has been been pretty good, but, you know, the, the this like, I do like what they've done. They've added more speed. Uh, Noah Gregor's a really great player. You know, he's got four goals now and, you know, he that was a, a good signing by by Brad. And you know, hey, I, I've I've been saying for years, Brad Tree Living's, if not the best, one of the best general managers in the league. I'm the top five GM for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm a very biased to that. You know, the guy is obviously uh 
you know, I, he didn't know me from a hole in the ground and, you know, took an email, took a phone call and, uh, you know, set me up with uh, some help in the Flames organization. So, and hey, I didn't know who you know, that's a sign of that's a sign that he's got poor judgment. Yeah, that he definitely does. So, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Well, let's uh, let's end on that. Strickland, you have anything else you want to add? We uh, went a little bit longer than expected. Yeah, yeah. I got a quick one for Bob. The uh, the pack. It's been a long time since we talked the last. So many things have happened be- between uh, the time that we spoke last time, but. The Patrick Kane signing, was it uh hook up with my buddy uh Debrinket again? Was it Steve Eiserman? Uh what uh motivated the move? Uh what do you think pushed it so Patrick Kane went over? I, I'd like to tell play? you I know, but I don't. I have no clue. No? I I don't actually know. Uh okay. I, I do know this. I think David Perron's gonna get suspended for a bunch of games here anytime you have an in-person hearing, that's not yeah. good. Yeah. Um you know, to bring it was really, I, I'm a little, we got, you know, we got Bedard going against, we got Connor against Connor on Tuesday. I'm still trying to figure out why they did the Kirby Doc trade in, yeah. in, in Chicago. Like, that's the one for me. I, I just, for a middle first round pick, I, I they must not like Doc. And Kirby's been really unlucky. But we're seeing this year with Byfield, who was drafted a year after Doc, what happens when a guy that size starts to grow into his frame. Docs had the bad injuries. I like six foot four and six foot five players that can skate and are smart. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, to bring it going, you know, there's there's so Jeff Jackson's the CEO of the Edmonton Oilers. He was representing Connor McDavid, Alex to Taylor Radish, Darren Radish, Connor Brown. They're all in Erie. Not all of them were super high-end midget picks in their draft. And he and he watched the guy help those guys become NHL players. McDermott, too. And uh, Curtis McDermott. What's that? Curtis McDermott was there, too, wasn't he? I yes, think. he was. Oh, yeah, he was their tough guy. Yeah. And he's tough. He's plenty tough. Yeah. I I, uh, I look at – good point by you, uh, Mark, on, on the Jabrinkit Kane thing. Um, That was scary last night with Larkin. Real scary. Uh, but – Hopefully, you know, I I think it's, you know, who's here's a question for you because I brought some stats up. Do you know which team the last five seasons had the worst record in the NHL combined record? That's yeah, the Detroit Red Wings. The mm. Detroit Red Wings. So their fans deserve a better year in their head in that fashion this year. Yeah. yeah. All right. You guys have awesome. uh, have a good race rest of the Sunday night. This uh, game's over, it looks like. Uh, you know, Bob, enjoy. Um, the, uh, I'm, I'm taking ahead. a loss in fantasy football, but it's well worth it to be on with you here over the last couple of last hour. <laughs> exactly. It's always fun, eh, Stop. So, all right. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey. Thanks, guys. Take care, man. See ya.